We're back at Camp Kilborn this week. I'm terrified. And all the little chickens have gone home. No. We negotiated no. to have the uh, campgrounds to ourselves. So Trent Chef Alfie. Don't be like that guy. Here we are. We're going to spend the night. I'm sleeping outside in the tent. We're going to roast some s'mores. The last thing I ever wanted to do in my life is be in the woods with you guys. We're going to tell some ghost stories. We might go skinny dipping. Skinny dipping is not an option for me. Fully clothed and loving it. I barely want to get on the phone with you from the distance of our own homes every week. Well, we're bunking. We left one of the bunkhouses open. We're bunking up, buddy. Being at a place and being inside a building is not camping. We're going to wrestle around. The last thing I want to do is be sleeping next to you in the middle of the woods. Stabbing cabin. Here we come. Camping is outside in a tent. Let's play snake in the grass. I don't know if I, I I don't know if I'd rather have one of you sleeping above me or below me. Well, it's a summer camp. I mean, we're at a summer camp. You guys can sleep out I know. Out you said we're going camping, though. I didn't think we were just you know, going to go from one. You can sleep right here outside in front of the fire if you want. I was just going to take That's the, where uh, I am sleeping. I just told you that I have a tent. The important thing is where you wake up. You know what I mean? If you wake up. Hey, can somebody give me a tick check? I'm camping. You guys ever play kick the can? I don't want a bunch of horny 16 and 17 year olds looking over me when I'm nine years old. Thank you very much. What about now, though? Yeah. Camping, because that's what I do. I'm a camper. No running on the dock, please, Kevin. Who drank the rest of my Kahlua? Leg wrestling in five. This is nature. We have to clean them up. Kevin, that's not bear mace. Kevin, this wood is wet. Super picky assholes about everything <laughs> and then be like, let's just fly by the seat of our pants because in this moment, it's inconvenient for me. Kevin, those are leeches. I am doing everything you ask and it's never enough. This camping trip sucks. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. Now on patreon.com forward slash speak all evil. Come hit us up at Patreon. So this week we are talking camping horror, which is why we decided to get very method with it. And that is what has uh, brought us out here. It's getting a little chilly for this, to be honest, but we did have to wait till after the season. Uh, Kat, what did you choose for your camping horror this week? You know, I thought long and hard about it, and I I had never seen one of the quintessential, you know, 80s slasher films, Sleepaway Camp, so I confirmed, I conferred with my teammate, you know, Trent, we're a good team this week. We sure are. And we decided Sleepaway Camp from 1983 would be a great way to ring in the camp. Uh, going into it, I, I, I haven't seen it, and I... Uh, Kevin sent me a text being like, hope you're excited to watch Sleepaway Camp. I'm like, oh yeah, like, you know, I love 80s slasher, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh no, it's very problematic. And I'm like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Can't wait. Get my eyeballs on this one. It was a fun watch, I would say. So the premise is this girl sees her family die uh, in a boating accident. And then she goes and lives with her what seems like a very pilled up aunt, Aunt Martha was her name. Uh, so she lives with her and her cousin and then she gets sent away 
to sleepaway camp, and soon after their arrival, bizarre and increasingly violent accidents claim the lives of various campers. It starts off right away with some nice, like, pedophilia comments from the workers of the camp talking about uh, how, like, hot the preteen girls are, like, running in. So that was, like, uh, that was, like, a nice high point to start on. Other than that, I thought it was, like, it was just a fun, you know, gory. Like, I thought the gore was fun. Like, the little, like, snake, like, slithering out of the eyeball. That was cute. You know, that was probably my favorite part. And it was, like, there were some twists. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but who boy. I had never seen Sleepaway Camp. Uh, surprisingly, uh, it's somehow, I, I think I just kind of, like, wrote it off as a stupid movie. Or I think I saw... The sequels, this original one blew me away. I like I couldn't believe. Um, it, I feel like it was like accidentally epic. Uh, I don't know, like <laughs> when you have people that don't they, they they don't have a huge budget and they're not experts at making movies. They make a movie by accident and just like stumble into some real gold. And that's what I felt like this was like. I thought the acting was great. Um, I thought it was paced amazingly. And I was I was super psyched with the ending. Yeah, <laughs> super stoked because I knew I knew there was a twist, and I I read about this movie so many times. I was like, oh, I know, I know what the twist is. You Did know? you? And the whole movie, I'm like, oh, obviously. The whole movie, I'm like, obviously, it's the girl. It's the girl. It's yeah. her. She's like not blinking. It's definitely her. <laughs> I was like, they're not gonna get me. And then the twist comes, and wow. <laughs> Not the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. I never in a million years thought that you would not have seen this movie. I thought you were ready for a hot take. Well, it's uh, another week, another goat. As far as I'm concerned, Sleepaway <laughs> Camp is the greatest camp horror movie of oh. all time. No <laughs> question about it. I love this movie. I keep watching it. I've watched it. I watched oh it a few times. I love everything about it. Right away, the opening scene, cat. Uh, first of all, it's not the workers; it's one worker talking about the, the baldies. other ones are like. Ag- oh my god! Talking the about baldies. we used to call they're them not baldies. Disagreeing. They're joint. not disagreeing. They're not. Yeah, they're not like I don't know. Maybe they're you shouldn't talk about children like that. He's uncomfortable like, and he doesn't know. I thought it was very realistic. The other guy is like just very uncomfortable. He's like, now nah, come on, now they're pretty young. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like nothing wrong with being young, is there? Uh, I love the dialogue. Absolutely sparkles, sparkling dialogue through the whole movie. So many quotes. I mean, the story is tremendous. The acting is great. The twist is beyond. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you know. Kevin's been trying to psych everyone ever since this movie came up. Every time, you know, Kevin keeps trying to psych people out about. Well, oh, it's very problematic. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty problematic, guys. First of all, it's a movie about killing kids. I I don't know why, like, (laughs) slitting the throats of innocent children, that's totally fine. But, you know, like, other stuff is like, ah. Don't smack them in the ass. Yeah, big big, big problem there, you know, cutting the heads off. That's totally fine. Uh, It's like 40 years old. So I think I'm going to countertake, before Kevin even gets going on this stuff, I'm going to countertake. This is a cutting-edge socially i mean just a millennia be, uh, ahead of its time um it, it's uh, it should be celebrated it is celebrated 
and I'm uh, very excited that uh, we got to talk about this movie this week. You would be wrong about that, 100% for sure. So look, <laughs> I- I'm wearing a Jason shirt. I can't. No, you we can't. can't see. We're on. <laughs> We're on the radio. I'm wearing a Camp Crystal Lake shirt. <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, this is a podcast. Fuck. So <laughs> let me let me stoke the fire here, Trent. Dave already proved you wrong when he said this is a movie made by a bunch of people that didn't know how to make a movie that did something super fucking awesome by accident. And that's it. Mm. Yes. But I also don't know what I'm talking about either. So you have a double. Well. But I, what, know, what, so, yeah, I don't think what yeah. I, hey, I wasn't this, trying to. This is, is this not my turn? <gasps> well, you're addressing people in the galley. I mean, you, you could know. let me, you could <laughs> let me finish my point. You could let me finish my point before right you. Yep, chirp, 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 chirp. Oh, everything that they did that might have been socially cool and ahead of its time was totally by accident because this movie is super fucking problematic. There is a ton of problems in terms of like pedophilia, homophobia. Look, I'm saying all that. I agree with you. This movie is better than Friday the 13th. It's maybe the single greatest 80s slasher that we never even talked about when we talk about great 80s slasher. This movie is the one. But you can't ignore the fact that you have Ricky, who is literally the most prolific cursor I've ever seen in a film, constantly screaming, fuck you, you ass, you fucking The fact that Alfie, as the girls get off the bus, says, yeah, back home we call them baldies. Like, we're horror fans. We look past this stuff. But you can't say that it was some sort of, like, in 1982 or 3, whenever this guy wrote the script, that he was thinking, in 2020, this is going to look really socially ahead of its time. I didn't say that. (laughs) But at the same time, those were not good guys. They're portrayed... Ricky is portrayed as like the hero. Like, heroically, they're portrayed to be losers. A a, a, A teenager cursing is problematic? More the curses that he was choosing, which I'm saying. I mean, it's 1983... So you, you just know, made my point. Sure. Thank you. You, you literally you just, just made my point. Still be problematic, even if it was made in an unproblematic. But we time, could say that about you know? every single movie. Which I just said. Watch. Yeah, as, and as I do. People, yeah, you have to. You accept that. And I'm even saying this movie is unbelievable. It's it's now. I'm gonna throw down. This is the best AD slasher. Wow. Oh, Kevin, wow. I have a question, real quick. It's not to interrupt you, but you sent us a documentary about the making of Sleepaway Camp. I assume that you watched that too, right? Yeah, I wouldn't have sent it. And, like, the lady's mom was, like, on the set the whole time, and they were all... It doesn't seem like they would be... It it would be different if it was, like, trauma, and it was, like, a bunch of weird dudes from New Jersey on cocaine making a movie. <laughs> but it seemed pretty wholesome, uh, but they were trying to, like, push the limits. That's the vibe I got. So I, I actually think that a lot of the woke things are, are the things that people thought were kind of taboo um, were portrayed as a negative thing no that's a good point I mean this look this was a movie that we always complain about the fact that we watch these movies and they don't ever use real kids or anything like that most of the people on this set were actually relatively around the age that they were supposed to be portraying and they did get a lot of shit for that 
and I will agree with you, Dave. That that was pretty progressive. You're going to make a movie about camp. You want kids at camp, and you want some counselors that are at least in their teens. You don't necessarily want counselors in their 30s and 40s. But at the same time, they were criticized because the parents that signed all these kids up, other than Felissa Rose, who plays Angela in the movie, her mom was on set the whole time because, let's be honest, wouldn't you be if that's what your daughter was cast as? All the other parents, it was like free day camp. They just dropped all their kids off and left. <laughs> so the entire set was just chaos of all these people, A, trying to make a movie, and B, wrangle dozens of kids and teenagers into doing what they're supposed to be doing. Did any of you guys watch the, the making of Sleepaway Camp? Oh, yeah. It's no. tremendous. No, I, I would say that uh, Felissa Rose uh, grew up to be a, a very nice young woman, uh, very stable um, even though she was in a horror movie at 12 and saw some shit, turned out okay. It's funny because the documentary, which is on YouTube, I think it's called At the Water After the Social Journey to Sleepaway Camp or something. It has most of the stars in it. And we watched this, by the way, Sleepaway Camp is on Shutter right now. But the documentary on YouTube has um, adult Angela and Ricky, but they're interviewed separately. And Angela is just like, she's talking about the time of her life. And then it's kind of a contrast. Ricky almost seems um, tortured by it all. I mean, he's he's happy about it. But like his experience is more like one of unrelenting anxiety and nervousness. And he, he seems Aww. to have like more mixed feelings about it than her. It's pretty interesting. I think he was thinking that this was going to be a much bigger catalyst. The vibe I got is that he thought, I'm going to be a big star now. Because that kid kind of owns this movie until the last eight minutes or however long the finale <laughs> takes. Ricky kind of yeah. owns this flick. He, he describes his, his experience as show up, put on the shorts, and hope for the best. <laughs> well, look, this, Aww, good shorts. speaking of this kid being a, a, pro, a prolific cursor, he has one of my favorite lines I've ever heard in a movie. It's when there's there's obviously it's camp, so you have this back and forth with different factions of camp, and you have some of the older kids trying to bully some of the younger kids, and Ricky's portrayed as sort of being the the king of the younger kids, and he's fighting with this older guy named Bill, and Bill says, "Eat shit and die, Ricky," and Ricky, without missing a beat, says, "Eat shit and live, Bill." And I was like, love oh, it. Love that, that line. That, that, so that would have been the, sl the sleepaway camp shirt of choice if not for fucking Judy. Is she, how old was that actress? She, so Who's... here's the fucked up thing about Judy. Her name's Karen mm -hmm. Fields. You look her up online, somebody has fucked with the internet to make it look like she's 75 years old, which would have made her 38 oh. during the maker of sleepaway camp, making of sleepaway camp. But if you really look up a ton of interviews with her online, she was 17 at the time of this filming. Oh, okay. Because she looked a little old to be making out with that one boy. <laughs> one bathing suit scene that I was like, hmm. Trent, you and I had spent a lot of time in Glens Falls uh, where they filmed this. I know. And I was thinking about it when, when it's described in the documentary exactly as it still is. Like... <laughs> A post office, a Grange Hall, and a bar. Glens Falls, New York. Yeah. That's all it is still. 
I, I, I'm getting cold out here. I w I'd do anything for a pub right now. I'll go stoke the fire for a little bit. Just uh, just try not to talk shit about me. Hey, cat. Do you what? have, uh... You got those marshmallows? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Here they are. I got the extra big ones just for you, Dave. Oh, wow. Yeah, jumbo. We were experiencing exactly the kind of um, fall weather... Uh, that they experienced during the making of this and they talk about in the documentary that this was shot in the fall and you can see like when they're outside all the leaves have, have turned you know like it's supposed to be oh. in the summer but it's very obviously like all the orange leaves in the the baseball field the grass is all like dried out and they talk about how freezing cold it was the whole time while they're like trying to pretend that they're all in bathing suits going swimming and stuff it's kind of how I feel right now it's a little the only death scene I didn't really love was the one where they, they stabbed the back of the shower. Oh, yeah. And pulled the knife up. It was obviously like a faked kind of... The other stuff looked like great, I thought. I can uh. tell you right now which one I didn't love. And it involved the curling iron. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I love curling <laughs> iron. Because ah. I was like, wait. I'm like, where's that going? Where's that? Well, that was a little implied in, in, in the documentary that I that we were talking about. In it, she's just like, and you know, if you're gonna have your 12 year old daughter like stuff a curling iron up someone's <laughs> vagina, I was like, oh, there it is. That's oh. not implied. That's what they intended. That was it. Nice combo. We watch her know? like, nah, that's that's not what she's doing. That's not. It's shaped like that, but she wouldn't do that. Like. Any shadow scene other than Angela standing in the cabin door at one point. Any scene that showed hands, it was actually the actor that played Ricky filling in for the uh, for Felissa Rose. Right. All the other ones would be a different actor or actress standing in a shadowy type scene. They never had Felissa Rose, who, like you said, Dave, was like 12 or 13. She, she was never present for any of those scenes. I mean, we've got curling irons, bees, boiling water good old-fashioned buck knife, all kinds of pretty creative murders going on here. Oh, the, the the director in the documentary says the only scene that he now looks back on and wonders if he didn't go a tad too far is when the the youngest campers uh, get chopped up <laughs> with an axe, and it shows them all in their chopped-up sleeping bags. He looks back, and he feels like maybe maybe that was a little too much. The guy that wrote and directed this, Robert Hiltzik, this was the only movie he ever did. And then he went on. So wow. this guy went to, like, regular college, and then he went to film school, and then he made Sleepaway Camp, and then he decided he was going to go to law school, and he became a lawyer. So, oh. and this just, again, this could be total bullshit just adding to the legend of Sleepaway Camp. This guy claims that he did not know that this movie had traction like it did until he was contacted by somebody from Anchor Bay or sleepawaymovies.com in 2000 when they were putting out a new DVD release of it. And he was shocked to be contacted and have someone say, you don't know how legendary this movie is. And he had never done a DVD commentary to it. So they got him to do oh, it. Man. So what he ended up doing is coming back in 2004 getting most of the original cast together and doing a total late sequel called Return to Sleepaway Camp in which he ignored all the sequels that he had no part of and just followed up the the events of the original film. 
And this came out in 2008. I can't find it anywhere. I wanted to watch it desperately. But unless I went on like eBay or something and found some box set of all the Sleepaway Camp movies, I couldn't find a way to watch this. I feel like this had like a little bit of like every great 80s movie in it. Like yes. The, the aunt that uh, adopts her in the beginning makes me feel like I'm watching like 80s Disney. Yes. She has like a Mary Poppins vibe. I guess that's 70s, 60s, 30s. I don't know. 1900. <laughs> And then, you know, obviously the, all the you know the camp stuff. I kind of thought of this as like Friday the Thirteenth meets Porky's meets Napoleon Dynamite. Like it's sort of almost a a mashup of all these sort of classic. But the, the, another reason why I would say that it's ahead of its time or it's or it's progressive is that where usually you would have boobs all up in your face in one of these movies. You had dicks all up in your face. Yes. In Sleepaway. The shortest it shorts. It was the shortest everywhere. shirts. Do you guys? Did you guys? Um, did you guys know who uh, Ben was? The cook. The cook that took over who? for Alfie. Who? I, I would disagree, Dave. The dumbest death was not the shower scene with Meg. It was the first murder, not first death, but first murder, with the giant boiling pot somehow held up on a counter that you needed to go up a step ladder to get to. Um, that that was the dumbest murder. Like, but then after the murder, like the owner of the camp, who we haven't even talked about, who was just smoking cigars and Ugh. totally no. rapey, is yeah. like convincing the kitchen staff, and he's going to Ben. He's like, Ben, you know, what if you got like five bucks more a week or whatever would have been good money in 1983? The dude that plays Ben is fucking James Earl Jones' dad. Wow. So that guy, that guy could have looked at you and said that he was fucking Darth Vader's dad. Huh? But I'm your father. Oh but I don't, I don't want to discount. I don't <laughs> oh want to discount. Um, I don't want to discount this guy because Robert Earl Jones was a prize fighter, one of the first prominent black actors we ever had, and he had a huge tie to the original Harlem Renaissance. So he's worth a total lookup just beyond the fact that he's James Earl Jones' dad. Huh. But it was a really bizarre, like late, uh, late movie for him to be doing, and, and for such a small role. But that was that that blew me away when I was looking this up. Well, there's also uh, uh, the other star in this would be Swole Steve Perry of Journey, who plays <laughs> Ronnie, and he's in he's in the documentary too. And he now, or whenever that doc was made, he looks even more like Steve Perry. He has the same mullet and, like, the cross gold necklace and everything. He's incredible. I'll I'll one-up you, and I'll be like, when I first saw Angela, I was like, wow, I didn't realize Sarah Silverman started acting so young. She didn't blink, I mean, for a really long time. I know, it's... so creepy i didn't even really and i didn't realize she she's so creepy throughout and this has to just stare at into the distance but i didn't even realize the first time that uh in the in the final scene there's a mask involved and it's the creepiest mask i've ever seen it's so it's weird looking and yeah it's so bizarre well kit did can we talk about so if we can talk about the final scene a little bit the final reveal the mask is one thing. The body is an uncredited college student. Who has never come out as having been 
never publicly come out as having been in this movie. <laughs> Nor would I, for very <laughs> obvious reasons. But apparently this particular college student was all gung-ho to do the scene and then realized when they were on set that they needed to ply themselves with alcohol in order to move forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just got really drunk the whole time. <laughs> Speaking of drunk, how, how's that fire coming over there, Kevin? You, I think it's almost brewski time, isn't it? I'll grab some beers. But I, I, I do Yeah, I do grab the want cooler while you're at it. One last point. If you do watch part two and three, one fun fact... The actress that takes over playing Angela is Pamela Springsteen, sister of Bruce. <gasps> wow. I'll see you guys in a bit. It's a weird moon. Moon kills, you know. <laughs> it feeds off the earth. On a night like this, one of us could get up in the middle of the night, grab an axe, and cut somebody's head off. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a night like this a few years ago. A guy and a girl went out driving. It was one of their first dates. Started out kind of casual, but they ended up deciding to go park. Not too far from here, as a matter of fact. Mother going at it, listening to the radio. All of a sudden, a news bulletin broke in. A dangerous lunatic has escaped from the hospital for the criminally insane at Two Pines. Oh, come on, Trev. They described him as a monster, six and a half feet tall, 260 pounds, with one horrible distinguishing feature, a sharpened stainless steel hook, where his right hand used to be. That was enough for the guy. He slammed the car into gear, floored it, bounced off a tree, didn't stop till they got to the girl's house. Got out of his side, walked around to hers. There, hanging in the door, covered with blood, was a stainless steel hook. Oh. The strangest part is that after all these years, after the biggest manhunt in Two Pines history, they never found the killer. Some people say he's still up here in the woods, waiting for the chance to kill again. And I say, I say they're right. Hey, my dinner! That's a bullshit story. No, you guys, it's true. I heard it before. Boy, Kevin, great job on those dogs. Mm. Thanks, guys. I, I got to tell you though, it's not only cold out here, but when I when I was over there, I heard some shit in the woods. I thought I was hearing. I did you guys hear that too? No. It sounded like something. I thought that was you guys. Better than something me. moving. I don't know. It's not ghosts because you guys don't believe in those. Yeah, but we do believe in other creatures, real, earthly creatures. Which leads me to my pick this week for camping horror. I chose The Ritual. This is on Netflix. Directed by Jerry Bruckner, who I didn't realize the first time I saw The Ritual that he also directed The Signal, which is really cool. And he um, mm. had a new movie out this year called The Night House, which was released in theaters before the pandemic and then just seems to have disappeared. It seems like it was received well, and I couldn't find any information about when that will be online. But The Ritual on Netflix, I think, is terrific. I think it is very scary very scary camping horror. It's about four friends who are taking kind of a 
a memorial camping hike, a multi-night trip through the mountains and woods in memory of their dead friend who was killed in a robbery gone wrong, which one of the friends witnessed and didn't act as dealing with a lot of survivor guilt and what if. And they're out there in the woods, of course, uh, they get a little bit off track and things take a turn for the spooky and they turn fast and i think this is a a great great camping horror should be remembered and go down as a classic kevin what did you think of the ritual well the ritual directed by david bruckner not jerry maybe they're related oh did i say jerry (laughs) yeah i I think jerry bruckheimer (laughs) no no yeah yeah. david bruckner yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um I watched this when it first came out. This, this was a 2017 English release. It didn't hit the States until February of 2018, which I'm surprised it's been that long because I feel like this is still pretty fresh. I liked it a lot when I first watched it. I didn't enjoy it as much. I'm still going to say it's a really good movie. It's shot beautifully. It has a, a great progressive storyline. Didn't like it as much the second time because you don't have to focus so much on what's really going on. And I didn't realize it was based on a book. So it was based on Adam Neville's novel of the same name, The Ritual. And as soon as I know, I noticed that or, or read that, I got these vibes like The Ruins. Did you guys ever see The Ruins? I think I did. That was pretty yeah. bad, as I recall. So that, I liked The, no, ru- I liked it was, the Ruins. It, that's also based on a book by an author named Scott Smith. And the book is unbelievable. Again, The Ruins is basically a story of four people. And they get into some shit on a vacation. And I just wondered if I'd read the book and then watched the movie, if I would have appreciated it more. What I will say is I didn't like the the most of the four main characters the second time I watched it. I thought that they were a little grating. They made it harder to get to the end. But I'm going to say, as far as a movie shot in the woods, a tale of four friends going through some shit, and most importantly, a fucking good modern monster movie, this this does nail it. Mm-hmm. I loved this movie. I thought it was so good. I was like, when it first started, I was like, oh, whatever. But I was like, the... um. The four actors, or I guess, you know, five at the beginning, like, they all have such a good, like, rapport with each other. Like, I felt like they all kind of, like, you know, they were, they seemed like they were actually, like, friends. You know, they'd been friends for a while. And that was, that kept it, like, very interesting. It kept it funny. They had a lot of quips, you know, throughout the, the movie, which I really liked. I think what got me is just, like, my heart was just breaking for Luke, you know, at the beginning when that happens. And you just, like, feel for him and... And then, like, towards the end, I cried. I cried twice during this movie. (laughs) I cried twice. (laughs) It's intense. When he's, like, you know, not to, like, spoil anything, but when he's, like, you know, it's him and uh, the guy that he doesn't really get along with. What's his name? Dom. Dom. And he's, like, you know, they're having their little moment. Fake Rain Wilson? Yes. Fake Rain Wilson. Chubbier Rain Wilson. Uh, When Luke's just, like, hitting his head, like, on the, like, just, oh, it's just... It really evoked something, and I, d- I wasn't expecting that. I thought I was going to watch, like, you know, a- another, like, sleepaway camp when I was getting into it. So I thought it was f- a really great film. Um, I really liked The Monster was honestly 
I don't know what I was imagining in my mind the whole movie, but then when you finally see it, I was just like, what the fuck is that? Like, I've never seen any monster like that ever, so it was, it was very interesting. I love the ritual. Uh, ritual's so cool. I, I love the mixture, the mixture of, like, the folklore, and, it, you know, it's almost reminiscent of, uh, well, it is very reminiscent of Troll Hunter. Yes. All the, that's what I thought. The Norse yeah. folklore, yep. mm-hmm. and that stuff scares me. All that, all the sculptures and stuff that they make. Um, again, like Midsummer as well. That whole vibe is very terrifying to me. I I thought that the the dudes seemed like friends of mine. It seemed like if I went camping with my friends, I would, you know, you spend most of the time bickering and complaining and that's what they were like and um it seemed like they had been friends forever and they were older now and they had a bunch of baggage and they were trying to escape things but this stuff messed with their imagination um that was also uh another part that that made it more terrifying was the psychological aspect and the uh the night in the cabin that they happen across yeah is one of the scariest even before the reveal of the monster and whatever else, what's actually going on, when you don't know what's going on and they spend the night because it's raining in this mm-hmm. cabin that they come across, that was that was so scary. I thought <sighs> the yeah. thing in the the, the top, no, <laughs> the thing in the second floor. The I think they do a good job of with Luke. So Luke, like Cat said, is the the guy that witnessed the tragedy that sort of started this entire trip on its way, I think they do a really good job of making you wonder if you should like Luke the entire movie. I think they I, they cast somebody, Rafe Spall plays Luke, they cast somebody that you know and love from other movies, mm-hmm. so you're kind of leaning that way already, but I still think that actor does a decent job. I just wonder if the if the book does an even better job if you're internalizing mm-hmm. things with this character. But Rafe Spall, who plays Luke, he was in my favorite episode of uh, Black Mirror, the White Christmas episode oh, with John Hamm. Oh, yeah, okay, right. He, you, know him from, you know him from Prometheus, but you fucking know him and love him from the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. That's right. He is in every single one of Edgar Wright's movies mm-hmm. that, of the, like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. All right. I didn't recognize him from any of those things. Actually, I yeah, I, I thought he I I didn't know. I thought he did a great a uh, great job though. His character is always the way he's always like leaning against a tree, smoking a cigarette. You know, like he's like in, he's present and he's in the moment. He's having fun, but eh, his mind is always sort of elsewhere, and he's carrying all this baggage, and eh, he's just smoking his cigarette, looking off into the distance. You know, contemplating. Uh, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. As soon as he got on the screen, I was just like, you got red on you. I was like, that's the guy. I'm like, that's him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. So isn't it like in Shaun of the Dead, he's the dick in the store yeah. where Shaun is Yeah, he's working. like the 17-year-old or whatever. Yeah. yeah. In Hot Fuzz, he's like one of the dick detectives that both look like they're twins. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, monster cast to work with. All, all these, all these people have a lot of credits. I just found it on second watch. I found as soon as Dom hurt his knee, the amount of bitching 
started to get to mm -hmm. me. And like you said, Dave, yeah, if you, you went out camping with a bunch of your friends, yeah, you would complain and you would do some stuff, but then to go through some of the stuff that they went through, like the cabin is a perfect example. And we've talked about this a ton on the show. At what point are you like, just turn the fuck around and go back? Mm -hmm. Like they walk into the woods and within two minutes, they find a giant elk splayed out 25 feet in the ground, have a two minute conversation about, could a bear have done that? Well, we don't know, let's keep plying forward. Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight, if we find an elk in the woods, when I go to take a leak, and it's 25 feet in the air. I'm not asking a question about whether or not we should leave. We're gone. Kevin, you didn't see that. You didn't see that porcupine on the on the way in tonight. No, I didn't. I didn't want to say anything, but if you think that it was it was like the internal organs had been it was like slit from throat to anus, and it seemed like the internal organs had been taken out. Seemed fresh. I, don't know, I just thought it was like. A wild animal or something. I guess there's bobcats around here and stuff like that. I don't like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab my flashlight. I'm gonna go look for it. Yep. Okay, good. That's a good That's idea. A great idea. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, leave the flashlight here, though. We might need it. You just go. Okay, I'll just I'll just use my phone light. Okay. Find I'm gonna duck off the cog. I gotta use my flashlight. I'm gonna go look for this fucking thing. We are a mile away from the nearest Cumberland Farms. I mean, we're screwed if anything happens. I mean, well, where our ride doesn't hear, our ride doesn't uh, hear until morning. So there's no turning back now. We're. I might just get back in the limousine and warm up for a little bit when we're done talking. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go find that tequila. I don't know what Kevin did with it. The podcast crew's all in their trailer. Wait a minute, what was that? <gasps> that wasn't Kevin. Hey, yeah, guys. I'm sorry. I'm back. I, I found that por I found that porcupine. It's weird. Um, it had it had the word Dave carved into the rib cage. Oh my god! I I did that. I appreciate the fact that David Bruckner filmed this movie actually in the woods. He didn't do it on the King's Trail, but let's get our Dracula on. He filmed this movie in the Carpathian Mountains of Romania. What? Double ups. <laughs> So they end up in the woods and they start to have some funky things happen and they start to see some runes and Dave nailed it. This is the whole thing is from the same Germanic ancient mythos, not just Norse, but German of the Elder Futhark, which is what they keep talking about in Midsummer. So one of the first runes they noticed as they're getting to the cabin, which is the scene Dave talked about. That rune is the last letter in that ancient German alphabet, and it means property. So I took that immediately as, yo, you're on somebody else's land. And some poor bastard probably lived on this land before the monster showed up. and Or, or, the, or the tribe showed up, the village that ends up at the end of the movie. And they're like, hey, this is our property, so you got to go. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I could go for a swim. What do you say? You think it's time? Uh, I didn't I bring I'm my ready. trunks. Polar Bear Club. Uh, you don't need do. trunks. Come on. We're friends here. Splash do you want to go out in the bit. canoe in the middle of the lake? Check out my uh, water snake? Wash your hair. <laughs> Man, no, nobody, has, nobody has anything to say on the ritual, huh? No, I, mean, I mean, we've it's said It's a great movie. We've been great through it twice. Thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. What yes. else do we say? It's good. I don't know. Um, I'll nominate Hutch for Daddy of the Week. I'm gonna go ahead and Hutch, do that. Yeah, Hutch is a, Hutch is Who's a, getting Daddy oh, of the no, Week? Oh no no no! Ro Ronnie Ronnie I is Daddy want. of the Week. 
Oh, wait. He Ronnie or Ricky? Ronnie or okay, Ricky? Daddy Ronnie. of the week. All I'm right. going to fight you on this. All right, that's I'm fine. Fight you on this. I thought Hutch was cute. I was bummed he was the. F- he didn't die. Oh. <laughs> Spoilers. I was bummed that he continued living. He went back to his wife. I, I was super bummed that he. <laughs> we, yeah. we need to refer to horror movie deaths as how the dominoes fell. Is how the what? The dominoes fell. Oh, smart. Yeah, I think that people, I mean, you can only not spoil so much. People know that a lot of these horror movies are a process of elimination down to People tend to die. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But who dies? You don't know. In what order and by what method? That's so far you don't know. Well, all I know. I think in the ritual, in the ritual, they make it obvious within about 10 minutes. This is a really good monster for modern horror. This is hard to pull off. And one of the reasons this looks so good, and one of the reasons why I like David Bruckner, because you mentioned Trent, I think, The Signal. But he's also done... So this is his first feature film, which I'm impressed with. He did a piece of The Signal, which is three directors doing three segments of the same movie. Then he also did Southbound, which is, I think, four directors doing four segments, which I liked. I like that. And then he also did... Do you guys remember VHS? Mm Mm-hmm. I like love one of the v- first bloody disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, VHS is great. He did he did Amateur Night. Yeah, which right. became yeah. the siren. Like yeah. so this guy has been up and coming and I I'm really happy. But he did so many smart things on this. He pulled in a great monster guy named Keith Thompson, who just happens to be a concept artist for somebody named Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. So when he had his shot at making a feature with a monster movie, he went and found Guillermo's guy that he works with on monster design. Wow. So I love David Bruckner. It is a good-looking monster. Looks great. It was. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And I love. there's a lot of interviews out there where he talks about they made a decision very early on after reading the novel and working with the script that they were going to show the monster, that it was going to be visible a lot in the final acts. And to then go out and throw it out to to Keith Thompson, I think is great. He worked with Andrew Shulkin as his cinematographer, who if you look him up, he has tons of roles on movies as like second camera or location scout. Like this guy has done his time and is finally coming into his own. And you mentioned the Nighthouse Trent, he worked with him to do cinematography on this. Uh, or I'm sorry, he did not. He worked on Southbound. He has always been with Ben Lovett to do his music, who scored The Night House as well. And this guy has a massive list of film scoring and music production credits. So I, I like what Bruckner's doing. I love what he did with the monster. I love how he picked the cinematography and the music because I actually think the score is one of the more... Uh, probably one of the best parts of this movie if you watch it again. I noticed it a lot more on the second watch. Well, the cool thing about the monster is he used Guillermo del Toro's guy, but unlike Guillermo del Toro, where he'll have a monster and the monster will just like walk right into the, the cafeteria with like fluorescent lights and you can see like every pore. This guy, there is a lot of the monster at the end, but it's dark and the, obstru- the view of the monster is obstructed a lot. And I like that a lot better than like just like watching something's like gills sitting there breathing in the 
It's still kind of mysterious. It maintains a yeah. it maintains a mystique even when you are looking at it. Well, it's supposed to be a god. It's supposed to be a yota. They briefly explain it to you in the movie. It's supposed to be a yotan. It's supposed to be a god, and it can make itself look like whatever it wants. And I think for me, one of the scariest things, and I think one of you brought it up, is the the lights coming into the cabin are actually the convenience store lights where the tragedy from the beginning of the movie happened. So for me, one of the most terrifying parts of this movie was this Yotun, this god, this monster can show you your deepest fears or your greatest desires and completely disarm you. That, to me, was the scariest part. And for some reason, every time they... I don't know if it was dredging up some past thing that I feel guilty about that I haven't come to terms with yet, but every time they showed the convenience store... I felt tremendous anxiety, and it takes a lot for me to feel anxious. Yeah, well, the the convenience store, there's there's this, to explain to the listener, there's like this flashback, there's a moment of regret, one of their friends died with the main character in a convenience store during a robbery. And so those scenes are very scary when you're in the middle of the woods, and all of a sudden there's like the fluorescent lights of a convenience store. It's almost as though... Kevin, if you were to walk through those woods right there, I mean, maybe three quarters of a mile, there would be a Cumberland Farms right there. And that's fucking scary. (laughs) 